We're back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed. And I'm your host, John. And there's been some big news in the cryptocurrency space as of recent. I don't know if anyone knows, but there is an ecosystem called Terra, and they have their you know, main cryptocurrency called Luna. And just recently, the uh, UST, which is the uh, stable coin for their ecosystem, got depegged and pretty much drained uh or they crashed luna to almost zero and this was this is considered a death spiral situation because multiple conditions kind of leaned on each other to cause this quick fallout but the point of this episode is to as best we can because we're both learning it too, explain it to you guys so you can understand the you know risks that come along with being invested in cryptocurrency so you can safely uh you know find success in the space yeah um and yeah neither one of us is like financial professionals but at least uh i mean john knows a bit more than i do but we could just shed some light on thing things you might want to look out for if you're trying to get into crypto especially um i would say less well-known coins like i feel like even people who aren't invested in crypto have at least have heard of Bitcoin and Ethereum, but um, for something, for something like this, there are probably like, I I had heard very little about it before this whole death spiral and how it dropped what 99.99%. Yeah. Um, so yeah, John, John, you're going to be taking the lead on this one for sure. We're super excited to, uh, announce on black box that we have our first advertisement and it is with our very own podcasting platform zencaster which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests Uh, and they become a new sponsor for the show so tune in check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned to hear more about why we love zencaster So I think it's important to understand before we get into how everything happened, the, you know, architecture of the UST and Luna relationship. UST is, is the stable coin for the Terra ecosystem and uh, blockchain. What stable coin means is that there is on most major blockchains, one type or multiple types of like a derivative coin that only is used to represent the dollar. It's supposed to be as equivalent equivalent as possible to the dollar. And in some cases, they do it like uh, the U.S. had done in the past, where they have an equal amount of reserves to back up the the coin or a a ratio of assets to, you know, back that. But Terra is an algorithmic stable coin. So it actually uses the the relationship between the Luna coin as well as some other, uh, you know, mathematical and statistical models that I'm not even well enough versed in to talk about to keep the dollar, to keep the UST coin pegged to the, the US dollar. Okay. But the important thing about the Terra situation is that for every $1 in USD that you have of UST, which again is the stable coin for the Terra ecosystem, 
that can be exchanged for one US dollar equivalent of a Luna coin. That that rule maintains no matter what. And even in the case like we're going to get into now that the UST got depegged from the dollar and ended up being worth around 50 cents. At, and it, it's still, it's a shit show right now. But when that is the case, you can technically buy up a bunch of UST and then flip it for twice the amount, which would be considered arbitrage. All right. Can you real quick before you, before you continue, could you just um, kind of define depeg? Yeah, so DPEG is just the action of UST not being worth $1 anymore. So, like, you would say something is pegged to another, pegged to another asset. That means it follows it and is equivalent to it. Mm -hmm. So, the normal function of UST would be that it's equivalent to one US dollar. That's how it always should be. The value should never change. It shouldn't go up and down. It's a stable coin, and, and it's only used to allow for, like, equal exchange to the US dollar. Gotcha. And be, due to Terra's uh, architecture, it the uh, other appealing part that allowed it to grow so quickly was that they were offering 20% APY, where, you know, a normal savings account is 0.05 or, you know. <laughs> Basically nothing. So, people were taking something that was stable, which was never supposed to go off the value of $1.00 putting all their money into it like a savings account, but then getting 20% APY instead of getting nothing. So that was a, that's kind of what separates it too from being a bad cryptocurrency investment versus like losing your life savings because people were treating this like a savings account because they yeah. were promised that it would never depeg from the dollar or it shouldn't in theory. So yeah, pretty much looking back and based on the things that we read, this all started because, I mean, it was more of a perfect storm because the one-to-one transaction of UST and Luna, the 20% APY that uh, UST stakers were getting through the anchor protocol. And then the fact that Luna was still in the process of buying up enough assets to uh, collateralize the, the ecosystem. UST and UST specifically. So pretty much what is going around, this is not 100% fact, but something along these lines happened. It, it's not confirmed. Some speculation, perhaps. Speculation as to who did it. But this was supposedly triggered because someone purchased a large or took a loan for a very large amount of Bitcoin. Larger than any one person that's like any of us could afford or you know, imagine this had to be a bigger player. And then what they did was they went and exchanged a a good portion of that for UST, which sucks out liquidity from the UST market. You know, on a normal day to day, there's a certain amount of trading volume that occurs for these things, like how much I'm buying and receiving. But when someone out of the ordinary makes a transaction that's multiple times that daily volume size, it causes something called slippage, which is I'm not going to get filled at the price that I think I'm going to get filled when I buy this coin. I'm only going to get three quarters of the amount I thought or something like that. Like the fills are bad and there's no liquidity to fill your order. So when you get filled, you get slipped out on the price. So do you like say, say you in that time you were trying to buy 
or you were tr- you were trying to acquire some Terra Luna or um yeah would you have ended up paying more or less than you had expected or would you receive fewer coins than you were expecting like how like what was what was happening yeah so slippage is the price that you expected to get on the crypto and the price you actually get on the crypto so yeah you're going to get less coins for the same amount of money that you bought Gotcha. That makes sense? Yeah, so you end up paying more per coin. Correct. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, when that's happening, that, I mean, the slippage is, is bad in general. That's not something you want, but that's not really, uh, that was just a fallout of someone pulling so much liquidity out of the market. And then when this happened, the slippage was the reason that the price started to fall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as that happens, because of the relationship or the rules that the blockchain had set in place with the one-to-one transfer and the fact that if I buy UST at one price, I'll always be able to sell it for one US dollar. Mm-hmm. So you could pretty much arbitrage in multiple ways. You could have either bought a bunch of UST at said price and then exchange it at a higher price, or you could have done the one-to-one exchange with Luna, and that was another way to arbitrage. So on top of this all happening, there were you know, many other people involved that were trying to unstake their cryptocurrency that they had staked, or if they didn't have anything staked at all, they were just holding it in a wallet. Everyone was trying to sell because that's panic and yeah that's going to cause people to try to run run out as fast as possible because they don't want to lose their money but they didn't realize that the combination of all of this happening at once was only making things only making things worse and then on top of that one of the mechanisms that lfg luna uh foundation guard which is a team uh designated specifically to defend the peg of ust one of the mechanisms is to mint more luna so that's why things went down as rapidly as they did because this all occurred between two days it went from 120 dollars per luna coin where they had about 300 million in circulation to i just saw someone post a picture i want to be factual it's like like pennies right well then they yeah now oh it's less it's fractions of pennies now oh boy and that's because on May 9th, the the number of uh, Luna coins was 343 million. Okay. On May 15th, the number of Luna coins in circulation was 6.5 trillion. So they be- in order to try and save the, the peg of the UST, which is pretty much the entire basis of the ecosystem, yeah. they were, they were going to attempt to at least temporarily, like, kill the luna but they did they had no choice obviously efforts proved to not be successful and in doing that they also ran luna to nothing because they hyperinflated it you know we we're we're seeing the effects of inflation now with can you hear that a little bit yeah so what, what we talk about now with the u.s and we're seeing all these like poor effects from inflation and everything's you know worth about five to fifteen percent more across the board and all we did was we didn't even like multiply our 
circulation of dollars. We almost doubled it in the past, you know, handful of years. Yeah. But imagine someone, you know, 1,000 or more Xing your circulation. Of course, that's going to quickly devalue that currency. But they didn't really have a choice. Again, that's not something they wanted to do, but it was to save the peg. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools, if you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash blackbox and enter our promo code blackbox, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash blackbox, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. And along with that, throughout the past few months, the leader of LFG he's referred to as Duquan. I don't know if, if that's his uh, legal name or, but that's how people online know him. Him and the LFG group have been purchasing a large amount of Bitcoin to start, you know, collateralizing their assets. And during this time as well, they depleted a lot of uh, those reserves as well, trying to, I'm not entirely sure how um, getting rid of that would help UST. I think maybe they're trying to buy UST, mm-hmm. you know, just to keep the price up because of the demands there. But yeah, I mean, these are just some of the things that can happen in, in cryptocurrency. It There was a point weeks ago, a week ago, two weeks ago, right before this happened, this happened last week where people were praising this man, calling him, you know, a hero, thinking that he's similar to an Elon Musk of cryptocurrency. And then quickly within a few days, now everyone's calling, you know, him corrupt. Luna was a Ponzi scheme. Point point being is that you really just, if you want to learn this stuff and you want to expose yourself to the possible gains that cryptocurrency can have in the future, you need to educate yourself. Because especially online, there's so many opinions. And a lot of them are just people like talking on emotion. Yeah. Like people were praising this man one day because they made a shit ton of money over the past six months off Luna because it ran from like $2 to $120 in six months or eight months. But then the moment things start going bad, everyone's, you know, quick to talk down on him. Do you, do you I mean, think I, I don't I don't know if, if he even knew, because there are people calling him corrupt because maybe he knew that this was all going to happen all along and he was really just running away with people's money. At the end of the day, you never know what, what happened. That's why you just got to stick to your own you know, your own opinions and the knowledge that you've gained along the way. But to me personally, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like this was more an attack on the fact that UST is different. It's an algorithmic stable coin. It, this is testing a new idea. What, that, what does that mean? Algorithmic stable like, coin? Like there's algorithms in place to maintain the price. There's not okay. a one-to-one backing of US dollars for UST, which is how normally you think about it. There's reserves of that but 
if the, if something like that could succeed, it kind of disproves a lot of things that big governments have been telling us for a long time. So that's a threat. So a lot of people are thinking it's big players in the space. You know, who's their entire, they work with like market USDs. makers or banks or yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with, because of everything that happened with GameStop and that, that whole short squeeze, gamma squeeze Everyone's era paranoid at that, at them. of, of COVID-19. I feel like that also brought a lot of negative attention to Citadel. Yeah. But the thing is like the, like what realistically, what has even happened to Citadel since then? Like since all the allegations and everything. I think but, they lost a lot of money in like the last year. Mm-hmm. Just from like, you know, getting burned on things, but nothing's going to happen. Otherwise, they're not really doing anything like they're working within legal loopholes. You know what I mean? Yep. But I mean, the main, main point of this is really just like, I was exposed a little bit to, to Luna. I didn't, I was not exposed a lot at all that it does not affect me in any way, luckily, but there were, you know, many people that lost their life savings because UST is supposed to be a stable coin. It is never supposed to depeg from the dollar. And they were also offering 20% APY through the anchor protocol, which was when someone's offering you 20% API or APY. That's big. and, And there's technically no concern for you losing your money because in a savings account, you don't lose your money. You just get very little interest. It's supposed to behave the same way. So people were taking their life savings, putting it in there and thinking, Hey, I'm about to fucking run away with 20% APY with no risk because in, in stocks, you're still taking risk because the stock can go down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why like a lot of people use real estate investing because you never lose money in real estate investing. If you're only using it for the passive income, it's giving you money every month. And then some point down the road, you could, maybe sell it for appreciation, but that's not even the point It's that you're constantly getting a percent payout from rent. It's just a different way to look at it. But, um, I don't know. Uh, I've also seen a lot of people talking about like what they could have done better. And uh, mostly from what I've seen, it was that they, you know, they did not have enough assets as collateral in case something like this happened and it was clear that, you know, they depleted their funds trying to bump up, bump back UST. And they, I, don't I, guess, I, I feel, I feel like the main takeaway from all of this and like a lesson for anyone listening is that you should like, you should never put all of your eggs in one basket, never put all of your money into like one specific investment that you think can be your ticket to retire early or for financial freedom or what, whatever it is that your goals are. And I know, I know John, we were talking about this right before we recorded, uh, started recording and we were talking about how like having a diverse portfolio of just assets, right? Like whether you have, whether you have cash or stocks or real estate or crypto, different types of crypto different types of stocks like yeah there's like so many different ways you can allocate your money so that if one one sector plummets or goes crazy like you of course you will feel it in some way but at least won't completely destabilize everything that you everything that you've worked for right yeah yeah that's a good point because like i said when we were talking before too uh 
not that I'm happy in any way that this happened. Of course, I want to make money. It's just that looking back, I'm almost happy with my risk management and diversification because I was exposed to this crypto. I was in the green. Of course, I didn't take any profit because I wasn't I wasn't green enough that I wanted to take anything. But mm-hmm. that's my own decision. But you know, I, I lost what I lost, but it just goes to prove that having a diversified portfolio will save your ass. Because if I had 60% of my net worth, 100% of my net worth in there, I'd be screwed. I'd be in a bad spot right now. Yeah. And a lot of people are. So, I'm, you know, I hope in some way the community can come together to like help those people. But yeah, I feel, I feel like, I feel like it's like one of those con- like just lessons that like nothing good lasts forever. Right. And whenever, whenever anything is just like, nothing will just always go up. Everything at some point will either have to stabilize or go down, right? Like yeah. you have like the dot-com bubble, you have like all of these bubbles that have happened in the stock market and outside of the stock market, right? And I don't know, I feel like putting putting your life savings into anything that could be like, even if it's doing well in the short term, it's still speculative, right? Yeah. Like you still, people don't know what's going to happen just because this is like some innovative new technology. So of course it's cool that you can make money from it and that you could get involved in it in some way, but putting everything in is probably not the right move. Even though, even though we can't give financial advice, probably just not the right move. Yeah, yeah, no, not financial advice, but yeah, probably not the the move. I mean, I've been there too. I mean, not my whole net worth, but I've pl- made plenty of mistakes, gotten burned so many times, and you hear that in the conversations that we have with other investors and traders and people that we have on. It's kind of just, you know, some lessons. Like, in order to become a successful investor and trader, there are just beginner lessons that you have to to experience and you have to take these losses and know what it feels like to lose a lump sum of money yeah. in a short period of time to make you respect it. It's more of a respecting thing because there are a lot of people that are younger and, you know, they think during the COVID market, I just got to buy anything and it's going up. I just got to buy something and I'm going to make money off it. Especially people getting into options and all that crazy stuff. But then when the market turns off, you know, when the faucet turns off, things are a lot different. Yeah. And you have to learn how to like properly manage risk and respect the markets because it'll take everything away quicker than it gave it to you. And I've been one to experience that myself. Yeah. No, I think I just wanted, like I hit up Ahmed two days ago and was saying that we should, it would be a good idea to make this episode and put it out as soon as possible, just to educate as much as possible. Um, this is an important event and I think it's going to go down in, in cryptocurrency history as like one of the top events that swayed the direction that we move forward because kind of what I was going off of before. And I think I missed my point was there is constant scrutiny for cryptocurrency, especially stable coin regulation. People have been fighting to not reg- regulate stable coins, even though they are somewhat, you know, they're representative of a U.S. asset. So the U S has been trying to find proper arguments to say that we should regulate stable coins. So people are trying to kind of put together the pieces like why would a big market player want to crash this coin for what reason? And I think it's, you know, a funny coincidence that a couple of days after this happened, Yellen, Janet Yellen made a comment about uh, 
like how we really need to crack down on stablecoin regular regulation now. So while it's not confirmed, it's kind of up in the air that was this done on purpose to now push the agenda of regulating stable coins? Because, you know, then that gives the, the U.S. government and the Fed the power to, you know, make decisions about, you know, where blockchain goes in some way. Because they realize that they can't for the other things because they don't own them. They're just cloud assets. Mm-hmm. But if a stable coin represents the U.S. dollar, they have some some say in that, you know? Yeah. So what do, what do you think? Is it like a control thing? Like what 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 does the US government have to gain from all of this? Yeah, I mean if you think about it, throughout history, the US is primarily known for asserting their power and dominance in international affairs and basically indirectly running the world. Yeah. In a way. Like for lack of a better term. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with Zencaster and Check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. And I think that, you know, a huge power move was made on the U.S. at the end of World War II when a lot of European countries were, you know, in a lot of debt. Their economies were in shambles from the war, et cetera, so on and so forth. And then we made, we that's when we transitioned to the world reserve currency being the U.S. dollar. Because at that point, we were still backed by gold. Shortly mm-hmm. after that, you know, we weren't anymore. But at this point, pretty much the, a large portion of the world relies on our currency. That's what gives us a lot of this power and control and where things go in terms of international affairs. And why we're constantly looked at as the people to make the decision or, you know, have have a controlling say in what happens. Not that I agree with this. I don't really, really do. But that's near, nor here or there, with however the fuck you say it. But... <laughs> I think it's just that they wouldn't want to see, they don't want to see things move on without, you know, like they want to be a player and the person to continue to have say, because once you lose power, you kind of have to backpedal. And, you know, throughout history, the U.S. has burned a lot of bridges and made a lot of enemies. So the moment we fall out of like a major power point in the world, it may not be good for us. That's my opinion. I don't know how much of that is true or not, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, I feel like, uh, I, I, I mean, I agree with your sentiment that I feel, I feel like the, I'm, I'm like, do you remember learning about the big stick policy in like yes, AP US history in high school? Yep. Like, I feel like that has kind of still held true or it's, we have, we have the most heavily or best funded military in the world in the United States, Right. We have all of this new technology that's advancing us and all of this. But if you think about it, we, we invest so much in the military and we're not we're not actively fighting a war, right? It's kind of like we need to show that you can't really mess with the US because look look at what we have like to defend that's exactly us. Exactly what it is. That's exact exactly. And yeah. I feel like taking trying to imp- impart control in crypto is difficult just because crypto doesn't exist in a physical location right it's like it's it's like all in the cloud right and it's just living on many computers that's that's a a better way to look at it it's because it's decentralized so like what is the like you can't can you centralize cryptocurrency or does that completely defeat the purpose of it 
No, I mean, there can be cryptocurrencies that are centralized. Okay. That, that's like saying once Facebook makes its own cryptocurrency, like how it's getting into NFTs and everything now, whatever, you know, they're adding NFTs to Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think one of their plans as well is to implement their own currency on the platform. That would be a cryptocurrency, but it would be a centralized because gotcha. they're in control of it. They're in control of the, I mean, look, people have coupled the idea that cryptocurrency is decentralization, but that's not the case. Bitcoin is decentralized. It's a proof of work concept. Every computer that's participating is validating those transactions. That's exactly what's happening. All the computational power is spread across all of these computers. Same thing with Ethereum. It's proof of work slash proof of stake. But there are a lot of currencies out there that are in control of the supply, are are in control of how much is in circulation, in control of where the, the chain moves next. Some have more control over that than others. Some use governance, which is like, you know, a voting system where like the more coins you have, the more voting power you have, mm-hmm. which creates some centralization. But yeah, I think it's important to note that like full decentralization is there is no, go- there is no power that has more than anyone else, but there are currencies that that still exists. Like, Cause I feel like we, uh, I, I could, like I'll bring up Ethereum in specific, just I guess before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, so like Ethereum as a currency, right? Mm-hmm. The people that work on Ethereum and its capabilities and its um, utility, that's all done by some. Well, they're working. You know, organ- they're working on the chain, the blockchain itself. But there is some organization that has that control, not controls, but yeah. like kind of makes this technology possible right the ethereum foundation yep um so is that is that not some form of centralized i wouldn't i don't want to say the word power but like how how is it decentralized like well that's the thing that's what i'm saying is like even to some extent ethereum yeah now i kind of need to backtrack on what i'm saying because Ethereum is technically not fully decentralized. It's very decentralized in a lot of aspects, but Mm -hmm. someone still actively building the chain, there's a group of people doing that, Ethereum Foundation, that would be some some centralized authority. When you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is done. No one's changing what, what already was created. Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin. But even at the same time, when he created it, the only advantage he has over us is that like he knows he was the one that made it, but everyone knows how it functioned, the rules, the supply is set, the supply cannot change. Nothing about Bitcoin will can change. It's hard coded unless he, unless Satoshi Nakamoto came back alive out of the dead. Not that we know he's dead, but he hasn't been speaking for years. If he comes back and lot, like changes things mm-hmm. technically, yeah. But I'm not even sure if that would work. I guess the only true decentralized currency is Bitcoin right now. I would have gotcha. to say. Gotcha. Maybe there are others out there that are smaller that are trying to copy that. But that's a really good point. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Right. So what is what is your what's your main thing that you want to leave our listeners with about the whole Terra Luna death spiral situation? I think it would be if you're really interested in getting into crypto and you're 
you know, if you just want it to be a small percentage of your portfolio, you know, let your financial advisor or your 401k manager or retirement account manager take care of that for you. But if you're interested in really getting involved, looking into the technology, putting a, a good amount of your wealth into this and try to like help create the future. Because if you think about it, we're using our wealth to help fund these projects and build things. Then you need to get really educated. Like I'm not even where I want to be in education, but this has been, you know, two years of like every day, nonstop reading. What they, what, what it seems is never what it is. Like we're just saying right now, people, a lot of people may even think Ethereum's fully decentralized. I guess it's not, it's technically not. So just things like that. Like there are so many things that are said because this is such a new technology. Things get passed around and misinterpreted so fast. If you want to figure something out, do not take one person's word for it. Go find it. Go look in the white papers of that blockchain. Go look on the website. Go ask a founder. Go ask a team member. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I'm figuring that out for myself too, that millions of people can be bought into something. Hundreds of thousands of people can be bought into a project and it still goes to shit. Of course, this is a one-off. This is not not a one-off. Events like this have only happened less than five times in all of crypto's existence. One of them was the Mount Gox situation. And the other was the, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the, the DAO that was created on the Ethereum network, which caused the original fork from Ethereum Classic to the now Ethereum 2 which a lot of people don't even know about. There was a time when early stages of Ethereum that they forked their chain because there was a huge exploitation of a, a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, mm-hmm. which is an organization that runs strictly on voting of every member. And uh, yeah, someone basically hacked it and stole all the money through a smart contract flaw. Oh, wow. Yeah. So things like that. I just think you got to find the truth for yourself because things are way too new. Everyone where, thinks they're an expert, but... Where do you find the truth? Well, I mentioned white paper. That's like when a chain becomes a chain and like starts like publicizing and trying to attract members and raise funds, they'll have a white paper, which explains the entire architecture of their chain, how it works, you know, fees, anything that's related, staking rewards, all of that. So that'll give you a real understanding of how things function. And I bet gotcha. there's, there were still many people out there that read the white papers of Lunar, read their whatever material they have, and didn't see the flaw. But it's something that happens in hindsight that it's like clear as day that it's like, oh, yeah, there was a, a real problem here. Mm-hmm. And But it, that being said, it was also apparent that no one person could really do this and needed to be like a huge person. And ha- why why would that really happen? We don't know. We only think we know which it has to do with like the U S dollar stuff. But yeah, right. I am tired. I just talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I was able to make that somewhat sensible for you guys. And maybe you can learn a thing or two and just stay safe out here. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, my, my, if I was just uh, say like one sentence about um, all of this is just don't, don't put, I like whenever whenever I hear about people putting their life savings into something and then getting burned, it's like I I just don't think that is ever the move. Um, so we're also yeah. in very weird times because no matter what you're invested in right now, you're most likely losing money. Yep, unless it's creating cash flow. Um, and 
you know, there's a lot of speculation with world currencies, like countries own currencies. So it's it's kind of confusing, like, where do I put my money to keep it safe? Right now, it's a little iffy if there's anywhere you could keep it safe, maybe precious metals, I don't know. But that's yeah. why I think diversifying is good, because you get your money in a little bit of everywhere, you never feel too emotional if one sector goes low or not. And then when one sector is too high, and you have a lot of money in there, you trim some off, and then buy the lows of the other assets that aren't doing that great for you that year. Yeah. That's how a lot of, you know, people that have a lot like real wealth handle things and they keep a very small portion of their net worth in US dollars in cash. Gotcha. All right. All right. I think I think that's a good place to wrap it. Yeah. All right. So thanks for letting as, me ramble on. You got it. Um you know where to find us at Black Box Podcast, knowing the black on Instagram and Twitter. Um well, I did. I did. I feel like that didn't come off too clearly. All right, hold on. You know where to find us at Black Box Podcast. No A in the Black on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have an A in the Black on TikTok. So at Black Box Podcast, and you could email us at Black Box Submission. We have been replying and having amazing conversations with some people. So if you want to be one of those lucky. Uh, Lucky black box. Hmm. No. I, DM I don't know sliders. <laughs> slide, in the DM. slide into our, yeah, slide into the Gmail. But, also, if anyone is interested in copying a black box podcast t-shirt, we have, you know, orders are open with culture seven, any family and friends or anyone that's listening wants a shirt. Just reach out to us and we'll we'll figure out how to get you your shirt with whatever size you want. Yeah. We'll get we'll get it going. We need you guys to rep out here for us to you know other people are gonna ask you what's that logo? Then you tell them it's black box. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. All right. Peace. Thank thank you guys for joining this special episode. We'll see you next week.